Hello and welcome to Reality Bites, episode 128. Now with some news from the depths of the internet. For the week of January 13, 2015, this is a Cure Studios production. We are your hosts, Lauren Law. Rofaxon, bringing you some things. That we found! Excellent. Well, Rofaxon, it seems it's just you and me this week. I've been unable to contact the Slothin. So, hopefully he's alright. Hopefully he's, uh... Well, I don't want to mention the horrible things, because the roads are very icy out there right now, or at least they have been. And That's true, I didn't even think about that. Now yeah. I'm worried. He's had to, uh... Go back to school, I believe, this Monday. So... Hopefully he's just busy. Hopefully he's just Going busy. back to school, he'd be busy, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, what is he doing? Don't ignore me. So anyway, uh, since it's just you and I, I guess I'll just ask the question, as I always do. What have you been up to since the last show we recorded? Well, I actually really wish Slothin was on for this, because I have been playing Skyrim again. Oh, right, now, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this show. I prefer the storyline of uh, Morrowind. Skyrim. Actually, everything except the graphics, I prefer in Morrowind. I'm really more of a Morrowind fan than a Skyrim fan, even though I played Morrowind after I played Skyrim. It's just a better story, and you could fly, and it's freaking awesome. And you started out missing everything when you shot arrows at it, which made sense, and hitting things the first time you shot a bow in your life is stupid. But Skyrim is still a good game, and Slothin on Skyrim Nexus, if you search uh, the author of Slothin42 has actually right. put out a bunch of mods, and I downloaded all of them except the Wabacoin, which crashed my game for some reason. But um, I've actually been having some fun with that, uh, just going around and replaying the game. And it's awesome because uh, you kill somebody, and with one of Slothin's mods, and I seriously just download all of them. With one of Slothin's mods, first of all, food is not completely useless because you can use it in alchemy. My favorite is um, you can pull out uh, the people's eyes and bits of their flesh and their heart and use that in alchemy too. So you can do like a Nord heart and you mix that with something that might be a poison that is only effective against Nords. Now, my problem with that, which I wanted to discuss with Slothin, is in Skyrim, the difference between a Nord and an Imperial is basically impossible to tell at look. And even the Red Guards are pretty ambiguous, so it's hard to know who's who. But there's some other things. You've got like a uh, battle, Nord battle cry, which is made from Nord body parts, which makes the person flee for 10 seconds, which is pretty awesome. So there's a lot of really cool stuff, and you just get so many more ingredients to play with with alchemy, because I don't feel like alchemy is big enough in Skyrim. And with Slothin's mod, uh, it really is. So I've been having a lot of fun. But the funny thing is, I, I don't think it was on purpose, but it could have been. I'm getting Doctor Who references, because a lot of people have two hearts. And a particular individual had two hearts and three eyes. I didn't notice the third eye, but I took, I took three eyes out of their dead body. And I'm sure it's a random number generation. It's usually a couple eyes and a heart. But yeah, one was three eyes and two hearts. But I get two hearts a lot, so I'm like, 
Does Moffat actually do that on purpose to make a Doctor Who reference? Is this out of a, Is this out of a specific race or anything? Not as far as I can tell. I think it's happening across races, but I wouldn't swear to that. I'm pretty sure I've gotten two hearts out of at least a Nord and a Red Guard or something. I think I've gotten out of it, gotten it out of multiple races. And what it is, I think, is a random number thing. They're like, usually you get one heart, but there's a percentage you get two hearts. So, so it's just kind of funny, though. Well, obviously, you know, Time Lords are infiltrating Skyrim. Well, I don't know. That could be it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't necessarily. I mean, I don't think I got it from an Argonian, which Time Lord could not pull off an Argonian, but they could certainly pull off a Red Guard or a Nord or a something like or an Imperial or something or a Breton. But yeah. Um. Besides that one thing, which I actually think is fine, is kind of funny. It makes me laugh when it happens. Um. It's it's actually a really well made uh mod and it feels very natural in the game i mean it makes the game a little okay it makes the game a lot morbid because if you think about it you're killing someone and then ripping their eyes out of their sockets and pulling their heart out and then stripping little pieces of their flesh off so i mean it's actually a really morbid concept but it makes the game a lot um uh oh what's this it make it makes the game a lot more a lot more fun. Especially if you like alchemy and you like mixing things together to see what you get. It really makes the game a lot of fun. So I'm just gonna say if we had picks, I'm kinda making this my pick too. Go to Skyrim Nexus and you can just Google that and download uh Sloth and Forty Two. Type him in as the author of the search field and just download all of his mods. Just Wabacoin may crash your, your game, and if it does, you know, just uninstall it. And maybe that's just my game, or maybe it's my installer or something. Uh, but yeah, I his uh, Wabacoin is like a funny thing, but his other mods are serious, and they are really well made and well integrated into the game. It feels like it's part of the game. It just feels like this is how the game is. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. I, I still find it amusing that you say it's morbid that you're doing this. You usually play a necromancer who raises the dead. Well, and you know, maybe that makes it okay. Because, I mean, in Skyrim, and the real game unmodded, you can raise the dead. <coughs> Excuse me. And there, there is a special ring you can get if you have, if you pledge yourself to a certain Daedric God, where if you eat human flesh, you gain health and stamina back. But the thing is, those are normally very hidden, maybe. Not, not, it's just that they're not necessarily encouraged in the regular gameplay. Like, you can relatively easily get the zombie spell, but most people who are quote-unquote good guys aren't using it, and it's not in your face. You have to seek out the darker arts yeah that's it you have to seek out the darker arts which i do actually but with bothan's mod they're just like in front of you all the time like i'm ripping this guy's heart out and, 
and everybody I kill, I can rip their heart out, which makes sense because everyone has a heart. Um, it just makes it more obvious, which is, I think, what makes it feel a little bit morbid. I suppose, but like you said, it's something that, if it was real, you might be able to do. Well, that's true. It's just, Necromancer isn't an easy-to-play class, necessarily, in Skyrim. And, and it was a lot harder in Oblivion, actually, because it's banned by the Empire. Uh, but yeah, on his mod, it's really easy to body parts. It's just, he did a really good job. I mean, it just flows into the gameplay so naturally it doesn't feel like a mod it just now that i played for three or four hours i just feel like it's part of the game i was really impressed i don't know what goes into making a mod for skyrim i was really impressed with it yeah he worked on it for quite a while uh i just kind of sad he's not been able to do it really since he's gone back to school um it does make it difficult when you have other uh, duties to attend to. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. So, let's but see. But I'm glad that he left it up there. Yeah. Well, what have I been up to? Well, sir, I have a new mixer. It's new to me. It's not actually new. Uh, thankfully, and and just happily, I was able to get a mixer from Morps. He sent me one of his old mixers. Uh, apparently was collecting dust. And I'm able to use my microphones again, which makes me happy because they were just sitting around collecting dust in my house because my old mixer died. So I have this uh, Yamaha mixer, which has absolutely everything I needed. It has all the ports as my old one, and it actually has a bonus feature, which I like a lot, and that is an off switch. I think one of the reasons my old one blew up like it did was because I always had it on, stupidly. I, I, I did mean to keep turning it off, but I kept forgetting because I get tired after a session of recording, I don't know, let's say sippers, which can take hours and hours because we do a lot of them at once. And even after doing uh, Reality Bites or Missing Dialogues, I, was, I, I get kind of tired because I edit right afterwards and I tend to forget about the mixer. But no, I'm really happy. I think I sound pretty decent. I may not sound greatly different than I did on the blue, but I think it's it's a little bit better. It also gives the option of giving the blue mic back to Slothin because I let him, I guess, I, I gave it to him, I thought, but he went ahead and gave it back to me because he said I was doing most of the podcasting when my mixer went out, so I'm thankful for that too. But now he can take it back to his place and do his own thing if he wants to, and it just uh, just makes it nice that uh, we can share the equipment that we have. And I'll be able to use all three of my, uh, I guess, condenser mics, I guess what you would call these, to start recording sippers and, I guess, plots. Speaking of which, we recorded one over the weekend. And that should be out by now. In fact, I saw it go out, so it is out. And that was fun. I I enjoy... that. That is the most fun show for me, just because it's awkward for anyone watching it. Or anyone participating. Sometimes more than others, but, you know, whatever. And I guess uh, Slothin gets maybe the same kind of feel when it comes to sippers, because he is poisoning us with random crap. Okay, Maybe not literally, but still. So... I look forward to hearing what we sound like, because we'll definitely sound better on sippers. 
Instead of getting all the room noise again, we'll be able to just hear the voices. So I look forward to that. And that's what I've been up to. So I suppose we should go on with the news, because tentatively this is a news show. So Rofaxon, could you read us the first news story? <coughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm dying over here. Sorry about that. Are you sick? Uh, yes. A little bit. Not, not bad, though. Okay. Uh, world's largest indoor farm is 100 times more productive. The statistics for this incredibly successful indoor farming endeavor in Japan are staggering 25,000 square feet producing 10,000 heads of lettuce per day, 100 times more per square foot than traditional methods with 40% less power, 80% less food waste, and 99% less water usage than outdoor fields. But the freshest news from the farm, a new facility uses the same technologies has been announced and is now under construction in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, with Mongolia, Russia, and mainland China on the agenda, agenda for subsequent near-future builds. In the currently completed setup, customized LED lighting developed with GE helps plants grow up to two and a half times faster. One of the many innovations co-developed in the enterprise by Shigure Shimaru, the man who helped turn a former semiconductor factory into the planet's biggest interior factory farm. Factory farm has a really bad connotation, but that's not what they're talking about here. Uh, the specific idea to deploy it at this time and in this place grew out of a disaster. The 2011 earthquake and tsunami that shook the island nation causing area food shortages in general and this building to be abandoned in particular. Turning it into an indoor farm both gave the structure a new purpose and has helped replace needed fresh, healthy, and locally grown grains. Shimaru has shortened the cycle of days and nights in this artificial environment, growing food faster while optimizing temperature, lighting, and humidity, and maximizing vertical square footage in this vast interior space, about half the size of a football field. No water is lost to soil, and a coreless lettuce variant reduces weight. Waste. Currently, the Corless. process is... Uh, yeah, I'd That's, like to see it, that. I, yeah, because it kind of grows outwards from that core. Then That that seems almost implausible to me. Well, there are pictures in the uh, article at weburbanist.com, and I'm sure they'll be in the show links. You can kind of see it doesn't look like regular lettuce where you have a head of lettuce. It um, is much leafier, like kale would be leafier, I think. Interesting. But a lot of kale. But, I mean, if you think about it, that core is a big giant way, so get rid of that. I, I think don't you know can eat it. That. Yeah, I mean, you can. Kind of like you can eat cardboard. It doesn't mean you want to. Well, cardboard doesn't have any nutritional value because we can't digest it, but I think we Good, can neither probably... Neither does iceberg lettuce. Uh, well, that's true. If this is iceberg lettuce, it's almost a waste to use it. Oh, it, it can taste good. It gives a base to the salad. I think that's the idea of lettuce. I don't really get iceberg lettuce. It, I don't, it's not my favorite lettuce. But if you think of it as a base for the other things, you know... Well, if they're yes. making food, you should be making food that, you know... 
people would eat and get some sustenance from. Oh, they should be making food that people will buy. I mean, Oreo isn't going to start stop making Oreos and start making Kaleos. No, but I you, really you still get but you still get you calories buy. from it. It doesn't. Well, they're not exactly good calories. It doesn't matter it if they're good or matter. bad. It doesn't well. matter, period. If they can sell it for money, that's what you need to be growing. I suppose, but, you know, they've been worrying about food shortages for years, even though it's all been made up by yeah. genetically engineered farming and stuff. But still, you know, if, if shortage of food means shortage of food that is nutritious in some fashion. Because, yeah, like you said, we could just eat cardboard. But that's not going to do anything for You're anybody. Right. I don't know. You know, it's nice that they say shortage of food, but I don't know. I don't know exactly what this factory is growing, but if it's just a bunch of lettuce, it doesn't take care of the food shortage problem all that much. It more takes care of the we found a market and we're going to exploit it, which is right. still a good thing. But it takes care of that problem. They're like, oh, it's for food shortages because we're cool and generous and well, help people uh, out. From the comments that I've looked through, because I found this news story, it was saying that the cost of running it is ridiculous. And you're oh, not really? really making up a lot from selling anything. Because, yeah, you're just going to be selling food and that's fine. And maybe it's just the installation process that's horribly expensive. And then maybe over time you make it up. But there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong with this. That's true. So I don't know. That that's just what I was thinking about. It's kind of an it's kind of neat. It's a novelty. If I saw it in the store and it was like factory farm grown lettuce, I try it just because I think that's cool. And maybe the process will get more certainly the process will get more efficient over time but you know one of the things it said it uses 99 percent less water okay i'm sure that's true however in a real farm the water falls out of the sky it's not really a cost it can unless you're doing a bunch do of irrigations which most, you could be most farms you have to irrigate because uh weather is completely unpredictable and best growing seasons are usually the driest sometimes but um they don't irrigate either of the one, two, three, four fields, because my house is surrounded by four cornfields. Well, right. really three, but then there's one off in the distance. They never irrigate those. So I'm sure they would if we had a big drought, because uh, I think in late 80s, early 90s, there was a decent drought, and they were dragging out irrigation kind of equipment. Yeah, so, I yeah, mean, they I would guess it in just those depends. situations. It's just, generally speaking, I don't feel like water's a huge problem when it falls out of the sky. Uh, but I'm not trying to put the thing down. I think it's cool, and you can see in these pictures, it's like shelves of food. It's very space efficient. I think if it's, we went is it to soyless space as well? I think they may it, have said at it, one point it was soyless. It's soy, not, not regular soil. soil. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not regular dirt. Um, I don't remember. I don't think they said what it. I don't know if they said what it was or not though. Well, it's probably just that weird nutrient compound that they use sometimes. I don't know if that's well. They say soilless. no water is lost to soil, and coreless lettuce variant reduces waste. So I don't think they use soil. It may be a hydroponics. No, I'm pretty sure they. 
don't use soil. But they have to get nutrients to the roots somehow. Right. So I don't know if they like put it in a nutrient gel or if that's all just included in the water. I would think it, for it cheapness, it would probably be the water. It, it, this article doesn't say much more than what we've already stated, though. Yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, and I, I don't see it saying in there. Well, um, if we're done reading, that's, I think we've gotten the we've got the point. Right. Uh, I think I think it's neat. Um, right now, I think I think it's just uh, triviality. It's a what's it called? It's a novelty. But in the future, like if we ever actually start running out of land, this could be a really cool way to grow things. And if we ever go to space, it's gonna, we're going to have to grow things this way. Because even if we find a habitable planet, and not always to turn it into space travel, it's not going to have proper soil when we land in all likelihood. So this could have some future consequences that would be really positive indeed well sir to move on to the next news story it really doesn't have any link i tried to sort these but i didn't do a very good job so bear with it uh, next news story is researchers closer to using light instead of wires in computers Light is much more efficient at transmitting data than electricity can through wires, but getting it to work reliably in a computer has been somewhat problematic. A team of engineers have just announced a new optic link device made out of silicon that is able to bend light at right angles, which is an important advancement towards replacing electric wires in computers with optics. The research was led by Jelena Vokolvik of Stanford University. The paper was published in the journal Scientific Reports. Light can carry more data than a wire, and it takes less energy to transmit photons than electrons, Vukovic said in a press release. Sorry if I have a hard time with her name. Uh, the current paper builds off the lab's previous work in which Vukovic's team developed an algorithm that allowed for necessary optical devices to be developed automatically. It also allowed them to design the nanostructures necessary to manipulate light for optical data transmission. It was that algorithm that allowed the team to build the Optic Link, a very small piece of silicon with nanoscale vertical etchings. The 8 micron long link acts like a prism, breaking down beams of light based on wavelength. The etchings are shaped so they direct the light at 90 degree angles in opposite directions forming a T. The ability to manipulate the light in this manner is, significant, is a significant step forward in optical data transmission. The link is made out of silicon because its index of refraction, an indicator of how quickly light travels through a certain material, is 3.5. This is much slower than infrared light moves through water, 1.3, or just air, just about 1. The spaces between the etch lines allow the researchers to precisely manipulate how the light will be reflected and transmitted as the light passes between air and silicon. We wanted to be able to let the software design the structure of a particular size given only the desired inputs and outputs for the device. For many years, nanophotonics research made structures using simple geometric and regular shapes. The structures you see produced by algorithms are nothing like what anyone else has done before. Though the link is impressive, is it an impressive device? The algorithm first approached it as an ordinary piece of silicon. 
The etch lines were added and tweaked as necessary based on the success predicted by the computational model use of convex optimization. Though the computer needs to run several hundred trials to make sure the optical link is calibrated correctly. It only takes about 15 minutes to do. There's no way to analytically design these kinds of devices, lead author Alexander Pigott added, speaking to the superlative advantage of the, the algorithm. In addition to the T-shaped <laughs> beams of light generated by the link in this study, the algorithm makes it possible to have endless ways to manipulate light, which could be very useful in optic data transmission as the field progresses. I think that's very interesting. I'm not sure how it would work necessarily, but I'm still kind of fascinated. It supposedly is going to speed up and be more cost-effective in the long run, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, I don't totally understand all of it, obviously, but um, it sounds neat. I don't know what else to say about it, but I, it sounds neat. It sounds neat. <laughs> Just reiterate. We'll move on to the next news story. <laughs> okay. Venture capital firm appoints machine intelligence as board member. Even legal. Uh, uh, let's see. In Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Excuse me. Hong Kong-based venture capitalist firm Deep Knowledge Ventures, DKV, has appointed a machine learning program to its board called VITAL. It's an equal member, in quotes, uh, that will uncover trends not immediately obvious to humans in order to make investment recommendations. This is probably an attempt to attract media attention. Oh, thank you for actually saying that. Right. But it could truly be the start of a larger trend. It's the... Oh, wait, this is from io9. Right. When, when a source says something that I like, I like to mention who they are. I don't know anything else about them, though. Well, io9 is kind of a trash blog most of the time. Yeah, I didn't think they had a good reputation, but then them calling them out as this is just a media attention grab kind of makes me respect them. Well, this is American-based. If it's American-based, they're going to trash talk mostly China and probably Russia, too. Ah, uh, yeah, good point, point. Um, yeah, good to bring that up. Uh, this is probably an attempt to attract media attention, but it could truly be the start of a larger trend. If the world's first software program to be appointed as a board member, the move could also herald a new direction in the way venture capital is done. The tool was developed by Aging Analytics UK, who's licensed it out to DKV, a capital fund that, that focuses on companies developing therapies for age-related disease and regenerative medicine. DKV will use Vital Validating Investment Tool for Advancing Life Sciences to analyze financing trends in databases of life science companies in an effort to predict successful investment. It works by pouring over massive data sets and applying machine learning to predict which life science companies will make successful investments. The company has already used Vital to inform investment decisions in two startup life science companies, Pathway Pharmaceuticals. The variables involved in the long-term success of biotechnology companies are many and complex, said DKV senior partner Dmitry Kamesky in a prepared statement. 
We were attracted to a software tool that could in large part automate due diligence and use historical data sets to uncover trends that are not immediately obvious to humans to human surveying top-line data. We plan to incorporate new information for, from prospective investment into the database to compare the outcomes against our selected investments. And, and in a related story, I'm promoting my chair to be on the the uh, the board too, and is also your, my is computer. your chair is your chair going to chair the board? It is. My chair is going to be the chair. My computer is going to be another member, and um, my pencil is probably getting promoted, but it's going to have to kick the pen out for that top slot. So I don't know what's going to happen there. No, it's a tool. This is a tool. It is not a board member. It doesn't have a vote. You're never gonna. Ha no, this, this this is stupid. It this is just a media attention grab. It's it would not be. a board member. That's not the same thing. I mean, it can make decisions ish based upon program responses, and you can agree with it or not. But I don't know if that that's not sentience, and that's not something that but can be on a board. They already have these things that predict what's going to do well and what's not going to do well, and that's part of what they look at. Mm -hmm. But it's not a board member. That's a different thing. And if this was like an artificial intelligence robot that was so complex and advanced, it could be like, well, Mr. Smith, I think we should do it this way because I got a family of robots to feed. And, you know, if it's something like that, okay. But it's not. It is a tool that they use to analyze data. It's not a board member. Now, are people tools to analyze data, too? Well, uh, to an extent, certainly, they are. But a board member, the people on the board, well, first of all, I think they definition have to be people because they're making decisions as to what goes on in this company as people. It, you know, it's like saying, you know, if you want to put the human element to it, this is like saying, oh, look, my analyst is really, my whole analyst team is, they're really all board members and all together they get one vote. It's like, no, that's just one of the reports you look at. The person who makes a report is not a board member. They're not qualified for that. They're supposed to crunch numbers and look at data and give a suggestion. Board members have some sort of experience, hopefully, hopefully. some sort of experience to let them make these decisions. Or at least to write connections to let them make these decisions. It's oh. not the same thing. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next news story then. And this is this may or may not be something we reported on before. I think it might be, but I think emphasis on this kind of technology is something I'd like to talk about. So I'm going to read it, and you can tell me if this sounds absolutely familiar or if it's just kind of, you know, close. So Cyborg Spinal Implant Could Help Paralyzed Walk Again. Now, I know we've talked about something similar, but let's see. Paralyzed patients have been... Given new hope of recovery after rats with severe spinal injuries walked again through a groundbreaking new cyborg-style implant. 
In technology which could have come straight out of science fiction novel or Hollywood movie, French scientists have created a thin prosthetic ribbon embedded with electrodes which lies along the spinal cord and delivers electrical impulses and drugs. The prosthetic, described by a British expert as quite remarkable, is soft enough to bend with tissue surrounding the backbone to avoid discomfort. Paralyzed rats who were fitted with the implant were able to walk on their own again after just a few weeks of training. Researchers at the Ecole Polytechnique Federale del Lolone, man, are hoping to move the clinical trials to humans soon. They believe that a device could last 10 years in a human before needing to be replaced. The implant, called a e-dura, is so effective because it mimics the soft tissue around the spine, known as dura matter, so that the body does not reject its presence. Our e-dura implant can remain for a long period of time on the spinal cord or cortex, said Professor Stephanie Lacour. This opens up a new therapeutic possibilities for patients suffering from neurological trauma or disorders, particularly individuals who have become paralyzed following spinal cord injury. Previous experiments have shown that chemicals and electrodes implanted in the spine could take on the role of the brain and stimulate nerves, causing the rat's legs to move involuntarily when placed on a treadmill. But this is the first study to show that a simple gadget can help rats walk again and be tolerated by the body. Scientists have struggled to find the device, or find a device, which will sit next to the spine or brain, causing both, because both are surrounded by a protective envelope of tissue, which the hard surface of implants can rub against, causing inflammation and scar tissue. However, the new gadget is flexible and stretchy enough so that it can be placed directly onto the spinal cord. It closely imitates the mechanical properties of living tissue and can simultaneously deliver electrical impulses and drugs, which activate cells. The implant is made of silicon and covered with gold electric conducting tracks that can be pulled and stretched. The electrodes are made of silicon and platinum microbeads, which can also bend in any direction without breaking. Writing in the journal Scientist, where the results were published, science writer Robert Service said, Soft, flexible nerve connected to unyielding silicon and metal. The combination has spawned many Hollywood cyborgs. The implants LaCour's team created still have to be wired to the outside world to operate, but she and her colleagues are designing wireless versions of the technology. Watch out, Hollywood. Reality's catching up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop reading there. All right. Um, first of all, I hate those stupid, quote-unquote, funny little... Watch out, Hollywood. <laughs> Shut up. But... um. <laughs> No, this technology is very cool. We have discussed similar things. I don't know if we discussed this exact thing or not. I feel like this is going a little further. But no, I, you know, that's that's very um, exciting research and something we definitely need to keep an eye on. Very promising. All right, sir. I believe it is your turn. Let's learn about high fructose corn syrup is more toxic to mice than table sugar. You know, no one thinks high fructose corn syrup is better for you than sugar. Right. But let's read the story. By feeding mice sugar in doses that correspond to realistic amounts that we'd actually eat. Oh, that's a novel way to do an experiment. Um, researchers discovered that the fructose glucose mix and high fructose corn syrup is more toxic than sucrose or table sugar. It re 
reduces reproduction and shortens the lifespan of females. The table sugar is the table sugar and baked goodies and the high fructose corn syrup found in many processed foods contain roughly the same amount of fructose and glucose. However, in corn syrup there are separate molecules called monosaccharides, while in table sugar fructose and glucose chemically bond to form disaccharide. When the diabetes obesity metabol metabolic syndrome epidemic started in the mid-1970s, they corresponded with both a general increase in consumption of added sugar and the switchover from sucrose being the main added sugar in America in the American diet to high fructose corn syrup making up half of our intake, says Wayne Potts from University of Utah in a news release. Adds, this is the most robust study showing there's a difference between high fructose corn syrup and table sugar at human relevant doses. Up to a quarter of Americans consume a diet containing 25% of its calories in the form of added sugar, the stuff that's tossed in during processing or preparation and not the kind you find in fruit. So Potts and colleagues compared two groups of mice that were fed a diet with 25% calories from processed sugars. One group of mice ate a mix of fructose-glucose monosaccharides while the other ate sucrose. After consuming their different diets, 160 unrelated mice were released into six mouse barns, room-sized semi-natural environments where they could compete for food, mate, better territories, and nest boxes. Blue tubs are the protected boxes. Green trays are the less desirable open ones. Uh, the team monitored the mice using implant radio chips and sensors at the feeding station, the vertical tubes, for 32 weeks. The death rate of females on the fructose-glucose diet were 1.87 times higher than females on the sucrose diet, and they also produced 26.4% fewer offspring. The team found no differences in male survival, reproduction, or territoriality, and they suspect it's because both sugars are equally toxic to male mice. According to Potts, female mice undergo a bigger metabolic energy crunch during the studies compared to males. On the same day they gave birth, they mate and conceive their nest next litter. Well, that's efficient. Which <laughs> means they're nursing their first litter while gestating the second. Our previous work and plenty of other studies have shown that added sugar in general is bad for your health, University of Utah's James Roth says. So first, reduce added sugar across the board, then worry about the type of sugar and decrease consumption of products with high fructose corn syrup. The results of the toxicity test will be published in the Journal of Nutrition in March. So, sugar's bad, high fructose corn syrup is worse. Apparently so. It, it, more for female mice than male. Well, it, it says basically because of their... Uh, it, maybe it doesn't produce like the energy like sugar would. So therefore... Right. But I mean, it was only 1.87 times higher uh, for death rates in the females. Well, I think 1.87 times higher. That's almost twice as many deaths. That's pretty uh, significant, I would say. Hmm. Mm. I mean, it's not it's not twice as many deaths, but it's approaching twice as many deaths. It seems significant to me. All right, I think I maybe I was attention. looking you know, at it's it. It's not like it's not like four percent higher or something. 
Right. I don't know the percentage because I'm bad at math, but <laughs> that seems significant. I think 5% is statistically significant, or maybe over 5% is statistically significant of change. So 1.87 is certainly past that threshold. Yeah, you're right. I was looking at it like it was percents. I think this is, if it's two times higher, wouldn't that be 200%? Um, so this would be 187% yes. times higher? Something like that. I yeah. I think that's correct. Yeah. And I their fewer offspring. And their fewer offspring is twenty six point four percent fewer. So that's that's not yet. I don't know why they one was times and then one was yeah. percent. It's I mean, not very consistent. The twenty six is like uh, a little bit more than the fourth. Yeah, yeah. So if you imagine, yeah, that's that seems like that seems like a lot. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot. One and four. I don't think our reproduction rate is such a huge deal. We certainly have enough people. Uh, says you. But if you, well, that's true. Says me. I don't think we need less people, but you know, we got a good amount. We're not we going extinct more. tomorrow. More. But the thing is, I have no problem with people having more kids. I mean, I have a kid. <laughs> yeah, you do. I don't think everyone should have a kid. You scumbag. Not necessarily, but. I, I don't think the world is like ridiculously overcrowded. Not um, yet. Not yet. No, and and when it is ridiculously overcrowded, we can worry about it. But what yeah, I was worry about say it after it's is, a problem, right? Well, I just don't <laughs> think we're. But you know what? We're just not close enough to being there yet. And I still think once we're overcrowded, we'll just go to space, and I won't go to space. So I'm hope, cool with that too. Hope we can go to space. We actually have to, you know, work on stuff like that first. Yeah, but there's there would be a much bigger motivation if we were actually overcrowded one in it. If we had the uh, materials to do we so. We have the motivation. Uh, you can you find need, the material. We've been to space. We've been we? to space, but we haven't done extraplanetary living yet. Been a need to. I mean, I think we do. Okay, because. Japan. Everybody thinks of Japan as super crazy, badly full of people, like the most overpopulated place in the world. But there's actually a lot of open spaces in Japan, which really surprised me. And well, I mean, it's because it's a, a lot of people live in the city. Google Maps. Yes, that's exactly what it and is. And they're like not breeding, so it's 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 live. it's getting less populous, and people don't and, really come to live there from out of the country often. Yeah, you might. You're probably right about that, too. But it's got the idea when someone says Japan, you think like a billion people. But most of it is still countryside. People just live in cities. And there's a lot of places like that. Most of Scotland is just countryside. Most of Ireland is just countryside, which is great because I love the countryside and I prefer it to cities, actually. But I don't think we're anywhere near being overpopulated. Well, remember, we but still need farms. But that's a tangent. But then yeah, again, we can we do the do first story farms. farms. Yeah, exactly. We can do the first story farms. But what I was going to say is if, you're, if you have 25% less um, offspring, it's a pretty good indicator that you're not healthy. So I think for that reason as well, that statistic is uh, pretty significant. All right. I guess I'll move on to the next news story then. Sugar's bad. Wisconsin woman seeks pregnancy care, gets thrown in jail for admitting past drug use. 
I was trying to do the right thing to take care of my pregnancy, said mom-to-be Tamara Lorcher. Wow, that's an interesting last name. I was really sick when I went to get help, but I feel like asking for help just made everything worse. Uh, She's 30 and had been using meth before finding out about her pregnancy. But upon realizing she might be pregnant, she, who did not have health insurance, says she quit using the drug and sought care from Taylor County Social Services. For her efforts, she was subsequently subjected to a temporary custody order requiring her to move into a residential treatment center and, when she refused, jailed for 18 days. She's now challenging the Wisconsin law, allowing pregnant women to be jailed or or put in protective custody for current or past drug or alcohol use. At the Eau Claire Mayo Clinic, where Lorcher was referred by social workers, she received a pregnancy test and a drug test. Social workers asked her repeatedly to release her medical records to county officials and said that if she didn't, she would be jailed until she had her baby, which would then be put up for adoption. When she finally said she wanted to go home, she was told she was subject of a temporary custody order obtained by Taylor County and could not leave. The next day at the Mayo Clinic, she was taken to a room where Court Commissioner Greg Krug was on a speakerphone and told her to sign a petition as if she was initiating protective action, protective action on the unborn child herself. She refused and said she wouldn't answer questions without a lawyer and left the room. The court commissioner deemed that she had waived her appearance. Taylor County Corporation Counsel Courtney Graff, also on speaker, told a doctor at the Mayo Clinic that breaching Lorchester's confidentiality was not an issue for this type of proceeding, and the doctor then dis- discussed her conditions and treatment, as well as her past drug use that she admitted to on her initial interview at the clinic. Craig ordered Lorcher to supply a blood sample, which she refused, and doctors at the clinic released her. But 10 days later, she was ordered into state custody. On September 14th, she appeared in court without a lawyer. A judge ordered her jailed on contempt for not following the earlier orders. In jail, she was told to provide a urine sample, and when she refused, was put in solitary confinement for 36 hours. She missed prenatal care appointments and claims jail staff said she shouldn't have gotten herself in the position to miss her appointments. Eventually, a public defender appointed for Lutcher won her release after she agreed to get drug and alcohol testing at her expense and share the results with the county. All of Lutcher's drug tests have been negative. Nonetheless, the county human services department made an administrative finding against Lutcher for child maltreatment based on her initial positive drug test. Lutcher is appealing that finding. She also brought a federal lawsuit against the Wisconsin Attorney General and the State Department of Children and Families. From our perspective, the entire proceeding was a violation of constitutional rights from the start to finish, uh, her attorney said. In the suit, she alleges that the Wisconsin statute which allows her to be locked up is unconstitutional and seeks an injunction against its further use. The law passed in 1998, which allows the state to order pregnant women into protective custody and medical treatment if they're suspected of current or past drug or alcohol use. Social workers can initiate confidential legal action in children's court, explains the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, and lawyers get appointed for a woman's fetus. Osher's suit is aided by the National Advocates for Pregnant Women, who last year helped get change 
charges against another pregnant Wisconsin resident dropped after she was ordered to take an anti-addiction drug and, upon refusal, forced into residential drug treatment for two and a half months. Critics of the laws, like Wisconsin's, claim they violate women's civil liberties and medical confidentiality while also driving up the likelihood of harm to fetuses since moms-to-be will be less likely to seek drug treatment and or prenatal care if they know it can land them in state custody. What say you there, Rofaxon? I think the moral of the story is never tell anybody anything. Well, there is that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's hard to follow the story sometimes when you're not reading it. But generally speaking, um, uh, I don't know about the whole notion of being like, oh, past drug charges? Couldn't you say like, oh, did I say meth? I meant candy. I was addicted to candy. I love candy. I, I mean, if they don't have any proof that you can't past drug usage. I, I don't know. I just... You shouldn't have extra strict laws because you are pregnant. I mean, you're still a person, right. and you're still bound by the same laws that everybody else is bound by. You don't get a special set of laws, or you shouldn't get a special set of laws for anybody. And I'm sure the thing is, we're going to protect the baby, but it, it's just... Regardless of what situation you're in, you should have the same set of laws that everybody else does. And from what I understand, these were a little harsher than a normal person who came into the doctor because they were sick, let's say, would get. But the baby, come on. Oh, but the baby's not born yet. Come on, the baby got a lawyer. Yet. The baby got a lawyer. Uh, that doesn't even make sense. And it's not a baby, it's a fetus. <laughs> I, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's just... No, that doesn't make sense. How does the baby have a lawyer? Did it was he appointed. or she ask for a lawyer? It was appointed. Well, if I'm appointed a lawyer, I can refuse it. I can be like, nope, I want to defend myself. Can a baby do that? Uh, I mean, can a fetus do that? No, it can't. It kicked extra hard. <laughs> kick, 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 kick once for yes and twice for no but uh, something that I did catch that I think is a very good point if this precedent is set that you know you're going to get put in jail for anything you tell anybody in a position of authority people just aren't gonna share this information anymore nope and I am kind of a believer in the whole medical confidentiality thing, and it seems like that was just thrown out the window this time. How Absolutely. do you expect your patients to be honest with you if you turn around and just tell whoever asks all of the details? That's the point of medical confidentiality. You can say compromising bad things to a medical professional because you know that they can't tell anybody. And that, that was just completely thrown out the window this time. And you can't do that. Doesn't but, make a lick know, of sense went, to me. No, you went in with an agree. You have an agreement with your doctor that you're not going to tell anybody about what I'm about to tell you. That's you know, written in just the common sense understanding of the relationship and also in a bunch of laws. Medical confidentiality is constantly cited. 
And then they just throw it out the window this time. So I think that seems pretty dumb. Agreed. Well, sir, why don't we do one more story? Because apparently we're coming up on the end of the show. All right. U.S. and EU politicians use Charlie Hebdo attack to call for more internet surveillance. You are familiar Millions. with this. Huh? Are you familiar with uh, Charlie? Uh, very vaguely. I haven't looked into it yet. Okay. Not in depth. Uh, millions worldwide have expressed their support for victims of the Charlie Hebdo attack by Islamic extremists, which left 12 deads. My familiarity is mostly from comedy shows, which is a bit twisted. It's just a strange coincidence. Okay. Uh, anyway, the tragic shooting has since become a referendum on people's inalienable rights to freely express themselves, a sentiment epitomized by the hashtag Je suis Charlie. I don't like hashtags. Je suis Charlie. It's and French. I hate hashtags. It's French. Um, yeah. But while world leaders have joined with the demonstrators in solidarity, some have used the tragedy as a pretext to amp up online surveillance in the name of national security, curbing the very same rights they claim to champion. European Union and on Sunday, European Union leaders issued a joint statement condemning the attack, buried in the same declaration, which called the shooting a terrorist act against freedom of expression, is a recommendation that could have dire consequences for online speech. speech. We are concerned at the increasingly frequent use of the internet to fuel hatred and violence and signal our determination to ensure that the internet is not abused to this end, the statement read. Their solutions censor any content that could incite and get the internet service providers to help out. <laughs> so wouldn't that include censoring this organization that does the comic straps? Yes. By this law, wouldn't the comic straps have been censored? And yes, it would have avoided the attack. Probably not. By censor no, it probably you're right, it wouldn't have. But yeah, they're saying I, I know it's cliche, but isn't this the exact definition of the terrorist's win? I would say so. Anyway, I'll go on. Um, the partnership of the major internet providers is essential to create conditions of a swift reporting of materials. And how does this even make sense? They didn't shoot them through the internet. They shot them with guns in person. This has <laughs> nothing to do with... Go on, I'm sorry. The partnership of a major internet providers is essential to create conditions of a swift reporting of materials that aim to incite hatred and terror and the condition of its removing where appropriate possible. There is, of course, nothing legally binding about the statement, though given what several European leaders have said, more detailed below, it wouldn't be surprising if various countries take this recommendation very seriously and enact such types of legislation. It didn't take long for privacy advocates to highlight the irony of wanting to protect freedom of speech by, res by restricting what cannot be said on the internet. By the way, I, um, did, I did get a, uh, a, a nice little message from Morps just now. And uh, you do realize France has pretty strict gun laws? Yeah, and it does, actually. And this I'm was a, a shooting? Well, I'm sure that the shooters didn't really care if they were breaking oh, the gun laws. You mean you mean only people who want to harm others and do bad things will have guns then? 
uh, yeah. Huh. That's kind of how interesting. We're, we're, gonna, we're like, I'm going to totally shoot this guy. Let's get something. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Guns are illegal here. All right, well, let's just have tea. I guess. Um, yeah. Sorry, no, continue. That's, that's a fair point. Um, Italy, after acknowledging that Italy's intelligence service was aware of one of the Charlie Hebdo suspects, Italian Interior Minister Angelino Alfano said his country intends to go after those who want to fight in the theater of war and will target, target recruiters who use the internet to spread their radical message. France on Friday, Prime Minister Emmanuel Valls said that it may be necessary to take further method, measures to combat terrorism in the wake of the Charlie Hebdo shooting, adding that any potential legislation not be built in haste. That call for a thoughtful approach does not seem to apply for the reinterpretation of current laws as advocacy groups like the Electronic Frontier Foundation and La Quadrature du Nit have pointed out. The French government notified the European Union that it will block access to sites that promote terrorist, terrorism under its LOPSI 2 law. LOPSI grants French officials the authority to block any site with pornographic or violent content that could be seen by a minor. A provision of LOPSI also grants police permission to monitor a suspected criminal's online activity so long as they get approval from a judge. You know, it's pornographic England. to draw Mohammed, right? So, uh, yeah, it is. Why so this is just going to stop all this? Yeah. Uh, England. No one spoke as bluntly about the need to revamp intelligence laws like British Prime Minister David Cameron. If re-elected this year, Cameron has promised to introduce a comprehensive piece of legislation that would eliminate any place online where terrorists might be able to communicate without government knowledge. There should be no means of communications which we cannot read. Well, okay. I'm just going to read that again. Yeah. There should be no means of communication which we cannot read, he said, according to the BBC. That is applied whether you are sending a letter, whether you are making a phone call, whether you're using a mobile phone, or whether you are using the internet. Hey, big brother. Cameron also... <laughs> yeah, really. Cameron also acknowledged that a law could be very intrusive, but that he believes it is compatible with modern liberal democracy. And we can send letters, and no one's allowed to read them, so... Uh, as as long as you send it through places. the United States Postal Service, if yes. you send it through FedEx, uh, there's no legal repercussion. No, you're absolutely right. It's only through the United Postal Service. United States, here at home, it, took only, it only took a few hours for Republican senators to begin using the Charlie Hebdo attack to call for strengthening the National Security Administration's NSA intelligence programs, which have been widely criticized for violating American citizens' right to privacy. And the wide criticism hasn't actually curbed their power in any significant way. No, it has not. That. To me, Congress having oversight certainly is important, but what is more important relative to these types of events is ensuring we don't overly hamstring the NSA's ability to collect this kind of information in advance and keep these kinds of activities from occurring. Tennessee Senator Bob Corker, chairman of the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations, told the National Journal, I fear our intelligence capabilities, those designed to prevent such an attack from taking place on our shores, are quickly eroding, said Senator Lindsey Graham. Whatever. 
Republican South Carolina. I believe our national security infrastructure designed to prevent these types of attacks from occurring is under siege. Republicans are talking about the need to not kneecap the NSA. Is interesting given that Section 215 of the Patriot Act, the piece of legislation that made it possible for the collection of telephone metadata, is set to expire on June 1st. Past efforts to curtail the NSA's snooping capabilities have failed. In November, the USA Freedom Act, which would have put the agency under more oversight to ensure civil, civil liberties are being protected, was killed by the Senate. Um, wow. So, I seriously only heard about it on, like, a comedy show that I listen to that, like, humorously covers the news. And tell me if this is basically what happened. Some newspaper-ish thing wrote really offensive comics, then a bunch of people got offended and shot them up. I mean, they drew Muhammad, and oh, Islam so says you can't depict yeah, him. That's, that's offensive so, by... So, they Islam standards. They attacked, and it was in France. Yes, and um, I don't understand what that has to do with the internet. Because I think it was on. It was a web newspaper too. So okay, I mean yes, that's true. But I don't understand. The only way you could argue the internet caused this is to say that the publication being on the internet caused it. So any of these laws to prevent the problem, by definition, would have to be talking about censoring the thing that you just said shouldn't be censored with the whole free speech. and Right. It's just, I don't even know what to say to this. It's, it's like comically hypocritical. War is peace. Come on. It's so over the top hypocritical that I, it's just I don't even have to say anything. Just read the story. Oh my god. It just doesn't make sense. That wouldn't have stopped anything. They still I mean if you didn't censor the publication. They went in there with guns and shot people. That was the bad thing. That was the thing that happened that shouldn't have happened. And them going in and shooting people. And Censoring the internet's not going to stop that from happening. You'd have to censor people from having guns, which obviously is impossible because France has really strong anti-gun laws. The only, unless you can censor extremist thoughts, which you can't yet, censoring the internet's not going to do any good. There's no way that this could necessarily have been stopped short of, I don't know, this paper having bodyguards. And I think they even had one, but they got shot. Or he got shot. No. Well, so, they were robot bodyguards. Absolutely I mean, it is, turrets. <laughs> it's tragic what happened. The response just, it doesn't make any sort of sense. They're like, oh, it's tragic that these people were killed just because they published something that they thought was funny. They exercised their right of expression. And they got killed for it, so our response will be to not let people exercise their right of expression anymore? Yep. Makes sense. If they do that, the terrorists will win. Well, they don't care if they win. Ah. They just care for more power. Yeah, At least just, my interpretation. Make... I mean, there is nothing you can do to protect anyone. 
Uh, no, no, it's not. I mean, the so world they're attempting. Place. They're they're attempting to pacify the public by doing something. Maybe they're they're doing it out of, out of a, a good place. Maybe they think this truly will work, or maybe they're just trying to pacify them, or maybe they're just trying to use this as an opportunity to gain them more control over the populace. It's hard That's to decipher. Probably that one. Well, I mean, you know, I, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt just because people generally do good. Hell, they may even think that it is best for them to have control. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure they think best. But the thing is, they do want control, and that's what this is all about. But they really do, these crazy people in power, think that they can take care of the world better. They can take care of us better than we can take care of us. It's out of kindness, but it still doesn't make it okay. Yeah. Like, you're going to kill yourself if we don't stop you from killing yourself. It's just a response makes so little sense. It's like, oh no, this is terrible because these people were punished for um, putting up something offensive, and that's not right. They have the right to express themselves. So because of that, let's take that right to express themselves away. Right. Well, sir, we're going to end there. So I'm going to do the wrap-up, yeah, okay? That's actually depressing. I know, I know. But, you know, I like to end on a high note. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what it is. Okay. So where can we find you online? Um, at Rofaxen on Twitter, and also search Rofaxen on YouTube. Just Rofaxen channel. If you subscribe, that would be super cool. Um, I play random video games with Slothen usually, but also Detective Nine and Lore. On occasion. Oh so, yeah, and you can also on occasion, and you can also find me in the Android App Store. Just search Rofaxen, where you can find the Beer Judging app. Which is fantastic. And I can be found as Lauren Law on Twitter and my enemy list, but everywhere else I can be found as Cure Studios, for example, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Thank you for listening to today's show. We welcome to visit our site at curestudios.galaxy15radio.com, where you can click on the Donate tab at the top of the page to give us a boost of moral support. Also, if you have any feedback or news for the show, please send an email to curestudios at gmail.com. That is K-E-I-R-S-T-U-D-I-O-S at gmail.com. If you like our show, please subscribe, and just for funsies, let your friends and possibly family know of us, but give them copies of our shows. How, Rofaxon, since you're the only one here? Well, I've actually got a good idea for this. Uh, Slothan could help us here. You just make a Skyrim mod and a really cool one, you know, something like Slothan's uh, original mods. And um, in your mod... Because you find a lot of books in Skyrim, and most people actually read the books, or at least open them up and read the first page. So what you do is, in addition to whatever your mod does that's super cool, you add a whole bunch of books which, with a cool title, like The Lay of Lear of Kier or something, but when you open it up, it's just a URL for the Kier Studio page, and then everybody will see that and come see our webpage. Yeah. All right. Well, the opening song was Black Runners by Spleen, which you can find on Jamendo.com, and today's closing song is CJ Rise Lost in Space by M City, which can be found on SoundCloud.com. We leave you now to ponder your choices in life. Five four one six eight four.